0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It is great to see you, whether you are online or whether you're in person in any of our campuses, we're thrilled to have you, thrilled to see you. I know with the recent spike in COVID cases, uh, some of you've moved back to online and that's cool, but listen, this is going to be over, I don't don't know when, but it's going to be over Sometime, uh, you know, before Jesus comes back. And all of you folks that are online, listen, don't get used to getting up and getting your coffee and your PJs and watching this online. We're thrilled we have it. We're thrilled that you're there. But if you live locally, we want to challenge you when it's safe to come back. Uh, those, there are a lot of people that are out and that are far away from us or online. We're thrilled you're with us. You can't get to a physical campus, but we'll challenge you. Be in person for the incarnation that happens when the people of God gather. So when it's safe, come back. It's great to, again, great to have you. Picked an incredible weekend. About to have your socks just absolutely blessed and blown off. But for, before we move there, let me just go ahead and tell you, Heart for the Harvest, our goal was $2 million. We're in the middle of COVID. We're in the middle of people are out of work. We're, you know, all with all that going on, We still got a real love movement, helping real people with real problems experience the real love of God that only happens because you guys give And our once uh, a year annual big offering. I want to let you know that we just, by a few dollars, missed $1.5 million that we gave to the Lord to further the kingdom of God. So way to go. I've had so many emails and incredible stuff come in about what people did. Hey, we didn't have any money, but we gave this and we got a bonus or we got this. It's just incredible what God has done. And so because you guys are generous, man, we get to do so much and really so grateful. For some of you, Heart for the Harvest was your entry into the generosity journey. I want to encourage you to stay on that. Uh, we got a guest speaker that most of you will know. His name's Hallern Hilton Hill. And we were talking, and asked me a question. He said, What do you think is the best financial decision you've ever made? And, and after some thinking, I said, I think the best financial decision Michelle and I ever made was when we were our poorest. We began to double tithe. Now, tithing doesn't mean giving, tithing means 10%. Are y'all out there? Because I love when people say, hey, I tied 2%. That means I had 10%, 2%. That doesn't make any sense. And so we double tied. Went to 20. We didn't have enough money anyway, so who cares? We were broke already. So, you know, a little broker didn't matter. And what God began to do and how he began to open doors was incredible. So I want to challenge you. Join the generosity journey If you haven't given, there's three ways to give. You can give online at faithpromise.org backslash give. Michelle and I set a recurring. As soon as a check hits the bank, boom, we automatically, uh, 20%, it just automatically rolls. You can text uh, to the number on the screen, the amount that you want to give to the Lord, or you could still, if you're at home, you still mail in, checks or money orders. Just do us a favor, uh, put what campus that you're at so we can put that. Toward, uh, the, toward the budget of that campus. Well, I, if you've been around Knoxville at all and you listen to talk radio, actually, because of the election, I quit listening to the news. Are you with me? My mom has moved in with us because I told you our house burnt down a couple weeks ago. She, she, and mom's there, Fox News is on. Because she's running the world from my lazy boy in our living room watching Fox News. And and I sat down with her and watched the little news and realized why I, because I was so angry why I quit watching the news. Uh, are, you, are you with me? But I always listen from in the vehicle to Howler and Hilton Hills Radio Show. He is the king of gratitude. I mean, he is the man. So would you guys welcome my friend, author, communicator, songwriter, Howler and Hilton He) Well, because we love Halloran, we're gonna we're gonna do something special for Halloran. Uh, we called and said, "Hey, Halloran, tell us who tell us your favorite your favorite mission organization because we're gonna give some money in your name." So he shared with us Penultima, which is a, it's in Jeffco. It is it's close, but they take inner city youth. Out, eighteen years old and nineteen, and begin to train him. So, because of your continued generosity, in honor of the Triple H, we're going to give five thousand dollars to <laughs> Penultima. And uh, Thank you. Thank you. in in Triple H's honor, it's his favorite. It's his again favorite. But you're, you guys are you guys are in for a blessing. So I want you to lean in and listen up. Come on, well Callen, as he brings the word. Love you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning,
1: everybody. Let's pray. Our Father. God, can I just pause there for a moment and say our? uh, The Lord's Prayer starts with an emptying of selfishness and inclusion. That means I'm part of your family, and I belong to you. You're my Father. But it also means we belong to each other. Would you remind us of that today? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we wanna love you the way you are adored and loved in heaven where there's no resistance, where your will is the best thing. Would you make us delighted to do your will? Would you just settle us into that? Give us this day our daily bread. There are needs in the room today. God, we ask that you would meet every need and exceed every expectation, mental, physical, spiritual. You told us to come and ask that our needs be met, so here we are. Forgive us our debts. God, we need forgiveness for things known and unknown. Would you forgive us, but then would you expand our capacity for forgiveness? There are some in this room besought by the heaviness of holding on to unforgiveness. Would you give them release today? Would you allow them to, to forgive and to know the joy of forgiveness? Would you allow us to imitate you and that virtue in you? Lead us not into temptation. God Ask that you would just lead us, lasso our hearts and lead us to you because we know if we're moving in your direction, we're moving away from the things that would hurt or harm us. And then deliver us from evil. Sometimes. Life knocks us out, we're in a burning building, we're knocked out, we can't even call for help, we need deliverance. God, I ask that you would just kick the door in. Don't wait for me to ask you. (laughs) Just come get me, throw me over your shoulder, drag me out, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and you get all the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. And let me just dive in and let me just say this right up front. When it's so good that it's worth getting your hand slapped, it's good. This is Thanksgiving week, and I remember I'd be in the kitchen, and my mother would be preparing food, and I like to sample her food prior to the meal, and I would end up getting my hand slapped. And it was so good that it was worth getting my hands. So how many of you had food like that when you were coming up? Do I have any lovers of food in the building today? Any of you love food? Macaroni and cheese. Can I get a witness up in here today? Ooh, wait. But you got to understand there's a science to this macaroni and cheese thing. You've had macaroni and cheese, haven't you? Not like my mother's. No, my mother's macaroni and cheese is better than your mother's macaroni and cheese. (laughs) I'm not trying to be a hater, I'm just saying. My mother would make the macaroni and cheese butch on Tuesday, let it sit in the refrigerator for two days, and then warm it up. It's the truth. Leftovers taste better than the first run. You warm that food up after it's, my mother used to say, you got to let it cure (laughs) five different types of cheeses. And I love, in particular, the corner piece of macaroni and cheese, because it has that little crust around the edge. Ooh-wee. We used to sit around the table and talk about all the things we were thankful for. And we would also talk about the people we were thankful for. And after a year like this year, with the pandemic and all this loss and political upheaval and financial pandemonium, I was trying to drudge up some thanks. God asked me, he said, who are you thankful for? And I started thinking about people, family. He said, what are you thankful for? Why are you thankful? And when are you thankful? And I started running through, because I keep a gratitude journal because you know gratitude, thanksgiving, is armor-plating for the soul. You do realize that anxiety is a habit. And habits are formed through practice. So if you stay anxious all the time, you get in the habit of being anxious. And if you're anxious all the time, then guess what? You'll be anxious all the time. <laughs> But hope is a habit. Hope is a habit. If you, if you get in the, the process of, of being hopeful, in the habit of being hopeful, that becomes your second nature. That's, that becomes your second nature. I think there's a verse in the Bible that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplications, make your request, be made known to God, and look what it says here. With thanksgiving. And then it says, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So I'm thinking about the habit of hope and what I should be thankful for. And then God just smacked me in the face. I'm thinking of all these different things. Like I'm thinking of having a house and a car and My family's healthy and in the midst of all this pandemic, I'm thinking about all the ways that God has blessed us. You do realize that the ability to come and worship together, this is amazing. I'm thinking about all of those things. And he's like, is there anything else you're thankful for? Like "Um, a hot butt? No, I have seat warmers in my car. That's what I'm... (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Sarah. He's like, did he just say hot butt? (laughs) And that's where God smacked me over the head with the title, the thesis, and the summary of this short message. And it's simply one sentence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You do realize that praise and gratitude and thanksgiving is a reflex. It's a reflex of the revelation of Christ, who he is, what he did for you on the cross, what he does for you every day in your life, and what he's promised to do for you in the future. This is what he said to the disciples. They were worried. They were going through a lot of stuff too. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. If ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So even if this life gets crazy, he's promised you eternal life in a place made new where you won't have to deal with sickness and pain and pandemonium and pandemic. What he promised to do for you should give you cause for thanks. But it should be a reflex. We have reflexes. Reflexes are different than common thought. I used to go to the doctor. He had this little triangular rubber rubber hammer, and he would tap a certain point on your knee, and your leg would just jump up. They were testing your reflexes. There are some things that are just reflexive. They just happen. You don't have to think about them, you don't have to do anything, they just happen. A reflex, And what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that if you are not thankful to God, you just haven't had a clear enough revelation or you need to be reminded about who Jesus is, what he did, what he does for you every day and what he is promising to do for you in the future. It's a reflex. Praise and thanksgiving is the reflex that comes when you realize who he is. You can't help it. If any of you have ever made big mistakes in your life and been forgiven and God brought you back from a bad place, I promise you the reflex is thank you, Jesus. Go to a UT football game? (laughs) I know we haven't been able to say thank you, Jesus, in a while. (laughs) Go to a UT football game, we're down by three with 30 seconds to go in the game. We've got the ball, but we're at the other end of the field and they throw a Hail Mary pass and the wide receiver catches his on, the, on his tippy toes in the end of the end zone. I promise you, if you're at the game, you're up out of your seat and you're praising and it's a reflex because of what has just been revealed to you. Today, I wanna to give you cause to say the one thing that you need to be thankful for this year, which is Jesus. Thank you, comma, Jesus. You know why we use commas, right? Pause. Sometimes you can't get a revelation of Jesus if you don't slow down long enough to think about what he's done for you. Thank you when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all that he's done for me, thank you, comma, slow down, Jesus, period. Not Jesus plus Buddha, not Jesus plus Muhammad, not Jesus plus. I'm saying thank you, Jesus, period. So let me tell you a story and then we'll get out of here. Dick uh, is um, in a hospital waiting room. He's waiting on what he believes will be the birth of a bouncing baby boy. They're going to hunt and fish. They're going to do guy stuff, right? I remember I would take an annual trip with my son, and we would just do guy stuff. Pillow fights. We'd stay up late. I remember we drank Dr. Peppers together. We farted. It's guy stuff. Dick was thinking about all the stuff he was going to do with his bouncing baby boy, and the doctor comes out of the the delivery room, and he's making his way into the waiting room, and by now Dick has become a little bit anxious because it's been taking a little bit too long. He's already crinkled up the candy cigar that's in his hand. You can hear the cellophane rattling his anxiety. The doctor walks in and as he's pressing through the doors, he takes what I call the bad news breath. When people give you bad news, they typically will take a big, long, deep breath before they tell you the bad news. (sighs) Happened to me in elementary school. I was uh, mustering up the courage to approach a young lady that I thought was the cutest girl in the school. I remember she had shiny black hair that was tied off in these beautiful red pigtails, and when she would turn around, everything would be in slow motion, and the pigtails would fly like a helicopter blade. She smelled clean. I sat right next to her, so I had mustered up the courage to write what I call the LPQ. This is pre-internet. The LPQ is a love pop quiz. Do you like me? Check yes or no. I handed it over to her. I'm waiting. She takes it, she opens it, and she looks at it. She closes it back up, and she hands it to her best friend, who handed it to the next person, and the next person, and the next person. I had been what you would call retweeted. Finally makes it back to her and she opens it up, she checks the box and she hands it back to me and she says, no. (laughs) This is the bad news, breath. The doctor takes the bad news, breath. Dick, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Dick was like me, I always want the bad news first. Anybody else want, I want to know the bad news. Tell me first, your son, has been born as a spastic quadriplegic. He'll never walk, he'll never talk. He's basically gonna sit in a wheelchair and be a vegetable. This boy won't bounce. What's the good news? He said, well, we have facilities and institutions for people like this. We can tuck him away in one of these institutions and you don't have to disrupt your life with this problem. Turning point in the story because Dick makes a, a really important decision. He gets a little mad. It's righteous indignation. He said, Doc, did you say problem? That's not a problem. That's my son. He's coming home with us as a son and will live with all of the rights and privileges appertaining thereunto. He's not a problem. He's my son. He's going home with us. They take him home. It's a problem. But it's one that they chose. So they decide, we're going to make the best life we can with our son. Here's the thing. This kid, his name was Rick, was born broken. Everybody in this room was born broken. Broken. Some of you are still busted up. (laughs) Somebody said, you got that right. (laughs) You were a castaway. You weren't worth it. You were really a spiritual quadriplegic. You don't know how to talk right. You don't know how to walk right. You'll have to be carried most of your life. But Jesus made the decision to choose the broken people and to bring them home to him, not as guests, but as his children. And when you realize that he chooses broken people, I promise you the reflex is thank you, Jesus. Broken people. Well, uh, Rick is every bit as hard to manage as has been predicted. Can't do anything except nod his head yes and shake his head no. His mother goes, wait a minute. If he could nod his head yes and shake his head no, if we could find some way to develop a device that we could strap to his head, he could tap out words on a computer screen. Let me tell you something about grace. Grace is the ability to look at something broken and look past the brokenness to the blessing. I'm so thankful that God looked past my brokenness. You do realize that that in the heavenly kingdom, all you have to do to do a lot is just say yes. Yes. If you just nod your head yes to God, if you say no to the things he says no to and yes to the things he says yes to, you're good. Just knowing that he looks past the brokenness makes me say, thank you, Jesus. They go to Rutgers University, they develop a device that allowed him to translate his nods and shakes into words on a computer screen. They had been including him with every family function. His father was a big hockey fan. He would put his wheelchair next to his, his recliner and they would watch hockey together. And He didn't think his son was really paying attention. He finally gets trained on this new device and they're waiting to figure out what will be the first words to the world from this broken boy. His mother, of course, was expecting mama. His daddy was expecting daddy. His first words to the world, go Bruins. <laughs> they were paying, playing for the Stanley Cup that year and his father realized that in this broken boy, boy, was a blessed young man. God chooses and uses broken people. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus but God through his love breaks our brokenness. Love breaks brokenness. I've seen some of the toughest people in the world, when they are loved well and loved profoundly, I've seen it break their brokenness. Love breaks brokenness, creating a breakthrough, and you get your break Through your brokenness. There's an old saying that says life breaks us all. But when we repair we're stronger in the broken places. I'm so thankful that God looked at me. Looked at me in my brokenness. My my lack of capacity and he added his to mine. And he instead of rejecting me because of my brokenness. Said I'm going to give you a breakthrough because of your brokenness. So Rick, they fight to get him in school. He's going across campus one day and he notices a poster and he wants to get back to the house so he can communicate and put on the screen what he was moved to do. A kid had been paralyzed at school and they were having a five mile run to raise money to help this kid. He knew what it was like to be paralyzed and sit in a chair. So he goes home, gets on his computer and he says, Daddy, I want to run to help that guy. His father looked at him with the question mark in his eyes, run, and he looked at his father's legs and he said, I need to use your legs, I got something to do. Okay. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me So his father put him in the wheelchair. This wheelchair was designed to go from the couch to the refrigerator, not five miles. He's 40 years old at this point. He's never run a long race. But because of the faith that his son had in him, he decided he had to make good on his son's faith. You have to understand this. When you have deep faith in God, you're making a covenant with him, and he's going to make good on the faith that you've placed in him. So he gets behind that wheelchair and he starts pushing this boy, pushes him five miles. They get back to the house. He's aching in places he didn't know he could ache in, and he's saying, Look, I'm not down for this running stuff. (laughs) Here's his son on the computer in the other room. He sees what he's writing on the screen these words Daddy, when I'm running, I don't feel broken anymore. I want to be a runner. Chris, think of all the things that you've imagined that you could do with your life that you wouldn't have imagined 40, 50 years ago because your father was behind you. See, this is the beautiful thing that happens when God takes your brokenness and breaks it through his love, you start to imagine the unimaginable. A spastic, quadriplegic decides that he wants to be a runner. He just has to borrow some legs. So his father says, I made you a promise. You're a member of the family. I'll do the running for you. Put him in a wheelchair. Together, they have competed in and completed 1,108 endurance races, including something like 14 Boston Marathons and the penultimate, six Ironman triathlons. Here's the thing, in an Ironman triathlon, you have to run a full marathon, 26.2 miles. You have to swim miles. You have to bike over 100 miles. This is what Rick actually said. He said, I can't thank my father enough because he's carried me the whole way. They made a decision not to give up on me. He said, finishing is what I'm made of because they wouldn't give up on me. If I could, I'd put him on my shoulder and I'd climb a mountain. I'd put my father in a wheelchair and I would push him. I would pull him. I would do anything. I can't help but say thank you because of what he's done for me. And that breakthrough that came through the brokenness has become the backdrop for the story of a father's love. See, you've been thinking that your story is just about you. That what he's done to fix your life is just about you. No, no, no. It's so the rest of us have a cause to believe in this wonderful love of Christ. Your story is the backdrop against which he tells the story of his love. If you were perfect, there wouldn't be a reason for a savior. His thankfulness to his father is a reflex because his father carries him the whole way. One of the biggest moments that I love is the first Ironman triathlon that they complete. Here comes Rick Hoyt across the line, his father pushing him and everybody's focused on Rick and not his father. And they're cheering and I think the headline said something, Rick Hoyt in 1989 becomes the first disabled person to compete in and complete the Ironman Triathlon. And all he was there for was the ride. (laughs) But he got the credit. Do you understand that the gospel is this? You're just in it for the ride He does all the running. You get the credit of his righteousness, not yours. I think when you have a revelation of a Christ that would choose you as broken, use his love to break your brokenness, give you a break through your brokenness, and use it as a backdrop to make you exhibit A and the hero of a story you didn't even write, I think at that point, you should be able to reflexively say, thank you. Jesus. I know me. I don't deserve it. I don't know about you. Some of you, you got some pretty people in here, brother. Pastor Chris, you got, I see some pretty, shiny people. How many of you are perfect? Let me see what the perfect ones are. I would love to. Any of you messed up? My grandmother used to say, toe up from the flow up. Crusty, dusty, musty, rusty Christians, right? He stands in between us. He runs the race for us. It's what he did for us on the cross, what he does for us every day. You do realize that you will breathe over 25,000 breaths today, requiring 11,000 liters of oxygen. You didn't provide any of it. He put the breath in your body. He does that on a daily basis. That's just his regular work. That's just regular stuff. And then he promised you eternal life. So even if you've lost loved ones to this pandemic, it's just a comma. It's not a period. It's just a pause. It may be fatal, but it's not final. And he did all of that for you for free. And all you had to do was nod your head. Thank you, Jesus. And the reason my praise is reflexive during this Thanksgiving season is because I know me. I know what the skeletons are. I wrote a song, I'll share this with you and I'll be done. It's called Block My View. Block My View. Who made the mirror? Who would invent such pain? When I see myself, I see my stains. Mirror, mirror on the wall, watch me rise. Watch me fall. So do me a favor, Lord, to get me through. Stand in the mirror and block my view. Block my view so all I see is you. People are staring. I wonder what they see. Would you stand in between us so they don't see me? Because the man in the mirror doesn't have a clue but if you stand in between us, then we both see you. So do me a favor, Lord, to get me through. Stand in the mirror and block my view. I'm asking you to get in the way so I don't get in the way till you get through. Would you be the man in the mirror till the man in the mirror looks like you? Does the Father in heaven see all the stains I see or does he just see you when he looks for me. Because if I see your reflection when I take a second glance, I know the man in the mirror got a second chance. So do me a favor, Lord, to get me through. Stand in the mirror and block my view. Block my view till all I see is you. When I think about who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, what he does every day in my life, what he promised to do, the promise of eternal life, I have to say, thank you, Jesus.
0: Woo! come on. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Now, I, I man, that, I was, you know, this is the third time I've heard the message and so moved because I was Rick spiritually, lost, evil, wicked, broken in every way you could be broken. I was a problem for everyone that knew me, but God said, I see past the problem and I'm going to, I'm going to adopt this. I'm going to adopt this life and I'm going to pour life into it and I'm going to bless it. For one reason, because I'm God and I can. It's not the goodness in us, it's the goodness in God that flows through us. So if you're ready for the gospel, which is that we have sinned, born broken, He paid for it, we receive His gift of goodness and salvation. If you're ready for that, God's ready to give it. He stands ready. He said, if anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, behold, I stand at the door knock. It's him knocking, using, howling, using me, using another. I'm standing at the door knocking. Jesus said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and we will partake. That's what he said. We'll have, man, we'll, we will sup together. So if you're ready for a new start, no shame, and you're ready to give your life to Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed, Would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Jesus, I say yes, I'm nodding my head. I know I've sinned, I know I'm broken, but I know your love can heal me, forgive me and give me a new start. I receive your gift of salvation I confess you as my Lord in Jesus name.